On today's show, Craig Porter Jr. is popping off in Las Vegas. Let's talk about him and the Cavs' backup point guard needs on today's show. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. The music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing. Thanks again for making us your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, segment one today. The Cavs are in the semifinals of Summer League. Good for them. Hang a banner if they win an IMO. Segment two, we're going to talk about Craig Porter Jr. And segment three... We're going to talk about the Cavs need for for a backup point guard. Evan, you snickered. Hang the banner. Hang the banner. Have some fun. It it, it always makes me think of the Colts uh, putting up a banner saying, like, was it when they made the AFC Championship game and lost to the Patriots and they put a banner up? It just makes me laugh. I I just thought of that. But you know what? Rock on, Cavs. Good for you guys. Yeah. Blow some pyrotechnics on opening night. Have everyone out that you can. Give them, like, don't give them a ring, but give them, like, a medal. I just, look, I'm, I'm just make it, like, let's just make it fun, you know? I mean, like, let's make I it agree. fun. Like, life's, life's too short to not take this stuff for, for fun, you know? I mean, in the words of uh, Sublime, life is too short, so love the one you got. And because you might get run over, you might get shot. So if the Cavs want to love this moment and live for it yeah fully lean into it like i you know me i am a meme lord and i i just chuckle just at the thought of like an actual like banner ceremony like i picture jr smith like kissing it and putting his ring up on the banner yeah. like it's just like they they, they fly in alifa's yacht from spain just to give him his like plaque and he holds it up against the banner Get, as they raise find, it yeah find a jeweler in vegas i want to see like team photos where like Amoni Bates is drinking like a ginger ale because he's not 21 or a Coke or like an Olipop or something for good for his gut, you know? So the Cavs, the Cavs did beat the Bulls. They are undefeated still in summer league. Uh, we're going to, let's save the Craig Porter Jr. Talk for second segment. Cause I think he was really the, the big guy and he was really key over the last two minutes of this game. Um, didn't have Khalifa Jop, didn't have Sam Merrill. So two of their other starting five are out. Then Sharif Cooper gets hurt. Um, this was a game where they really definitely navigated some of this, some of their not best things, right? Like this, this wasn't the best version of the Summer League Cavs that we've seen, but it was enough and they're still undefeated. Well, as I say in every episode when we talk about the summer Sin City Cavs, like this, this team is not perfect. I don't think any team is. Um, I, I totally blanked on Dalen Terry being on the Bulls. I'm just like, oh my god, his percentages are bad. Like, and you, you kind of get that with guys that have that taste of NBA flavor, but they're also maybe not playing four games in a summer league either. But it's interesting just because like the Cavs like you said without Jop and according to Chris Fudor he had duties uh overseas in Spain with this team so like I don't think he'll be with the team for Sunday's game depending on whoever Cleveland draws for the semifinals of the championship bracket 
Uh, there's no Sam Merrill, as you had noted, which makes sense. Uh, you don't want to maybe run him into the ground just because he is technically the only contract player that's like directly with the Cavs. Like he doesn't have that charge fluidity other than the Cavs putting him on assignment. And you don't want to run him to the ground just because he still is rehabbing from a nasty knee injury that he suffered um, towards the end of his time with like the Bucks and the um I think he was with the Grizzlies at the time. But either way, um, you look at that and then like you noted, like Sharif Cooper is a guy who really benefits from the summer league system because the ball is going to be in his hand more often than not. Mike Garrett, you trust him to have the ball in his hands too and let him run the offense through him. And I think for me, just like looking at this game against the Bulls, it obviously wasn't the game against Memphis the other day where the Cavs won by 23. One, because Sam Merrill just went nuclear from three. Then Amani Bates had like the most efficient game of his professional career four games into this point. So it's interesting. There's a lot of good, a lot of bad at this one, but this is the flawed Cavs team. So like, I didn't expect anything perfect, but it was refreshing. I, mean, I think I want to say to see a team that kind of coasted a lot in a lot of their summer league games actually fall behind by quite a bit and have to scrap a Chicago down the stretch just to ensure that they do go four and and they can actually play in this uh, championship bracket and uh, maybe the eventual banner ceremony night for Chris Manning. Look, I, uh, summer league is not the crispest basketball. It is not the most perfect basketball. Um, you know, and this wasn't even like a, a great Isaiah Moba game. I still think on the aggregate, he's been the best player for Cleveland at summer league. But, you know, he was 515 from the floor, but still had 12 boards, four assists and two blocks. Had a step back three when they were down five. That was big. And later was able to get two at the line to give the team the lead. Like he had enough moments to make it work. And then Travers like gave you very good all around play, at least solid overall around play. Eight points, nine boards, two steals, some really nice passes. You know, they're not super getting treated well as a shooter, which is a very Cavs wing thing to be, but like clearly has some skills. Like they're, this is this is such a difference of other summer league teams, Evan, because I think broadly, the reason you're undefeated now is because you brought guys who are a little bit older who have played professionally overseas or in the G League, and they're just like a little more seasoned. You know, like like this team skewed a little bit of way where if you would have, I don't know if FanDuel had odds for like summer league championship or whatever, I but this would have been a team where you look at. Yeah, you look at the age of the roster, and it's like, there's some stuff there you can absolutely work with. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, that's kind of always been my through line, whatever it's talking about this Cavs Summer League team or writing about them. It's just, they're imperfect, they're flawed. You can't take much stock from this, but there's stuff you can look at individually. Like, okay, what pops a little bit? What do you think is a little bit more sustainable? Because it's not... NBA level talent clearly because there's guys that are rookie sophomores three-year players guys that are fighting to get into the league a lot of G League guys too but like it's that weird like in between of rookies finding their footing in the NBA and G League guys just mixed in together and like it is somewhat competitive basketball and like there's limited offensive sets maybe some assistant coaches get more bold because they're trying to show their chops as an offensive tactician but like it's it's interesting to look at just how this Cavs team functions and more so like you, you had mentioned we'll talk about Craig Porter Jr. in a second but I agree like Isaiah Mobley is better than he was uh the first year around in Las Vegas so I'm really, like that's where I can see tangential growth and like there's some clearly some benefit from him spending most of if not the majority of his season with uh the charge last season um and you look at guys like that or like Travers who has made some improvements and like you said isn't getting respected as a shooter quite yet 
But there are just things he does where like, okay, he makes quote unquote winning plays that help the Cavs in the grand scheme of things, even if he is not a plus factor in terms of just perimeter depth. And you look at just stuff like that and you're like, okay, yeah, there's some pieces here where you're like, okay, there's some stuff I can just kind of like maybe make like a small checklist of just things I want to keep an eye on with some of these prospects, whether they play for the Cavs, like it's Isaiah Mobley, or it's a guy like Craig Porter Jr. who will maybe spends, or a Money Bates, who spends the majority of his rookie quote-unquote season with the charge, to so just kind of keep having that runway to grow and develop, and you kind of just keep tabs on what he is as a player to see if there are like long-term fits that could maybe like be pieces, smaller pieces in the grand puzzle of what the Cavs are trying to build. Up next, let's talk about the aforementioned Craig Porter Jr., how he shined in this game and and what's to like about him so far from what we've seen in Summer League? Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good, and they make you feel even better. The Bird Dogs stretched khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. And more than importantly, Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better, and they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix the issue of, by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also, and this is huge for me on the golf course, they have so much flair. It really lets you make a statement with your butt. Bird Dogs also has anti-stink swicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long because we're all experiencing a Texas summer at this point. Why not keep everything cool and dry down there while you're out and about? So if you're interested in checking out today's sponsor, Bird Dogs, go to birddogs.com forward slash LockedOnNBA or enter promo code LockedOnNBA for a free, oh, let me pull it out, Yeti-style tumbler like this one without the stickers, of course. But yeah, if you want something like this, it may come in blue, may come in a different color, but that's birddogs.com forward slash LockedOnNBA or promo code LockedOnNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You will not want to take off your Bird Dogs, we promise you. And I, I do promise this, I own... I say this a lot. I own several pairs. You guys saw me record an ad with me wearing a pair. Some of the most comfortable shorts I own, and I didn't believe it until I tried them on. And it's it's like wearing a cloud on your entire just lower half of your body. All right, we're back here. Lockdown Cavs, Chris Manning, Evan Damerel, Craig Porter Jr. Evan, to, to me, was the star of this game against the Bulls. Um, he has a really strong feel for the game that I think showed up in this game. He is pretty much always in the right spot at 22-6 and three steals in this game. Had eight boards and a block as well. You know, he's a little bit older, obviously a different kind of development path with the Juco stuff and then to Wichita State. But I, he was he was really poised in this game, like a very poised adult-looking NBA, NBA kind of guard. In the Summer League game, again, Summer League take it with a, a grain of salt, all that stuff, but Truth Cooper goes out. They need someone to step up. He did that more. So Craig Porter Jr. is a guy that's kind of always intrigued me just in terms of like looking through the lens of the Cavs do need like a long-term answer behind Darius Garland. And uh, especially if Ricky Rubio does end up going back to Spain at some point in his career, just like decides say, to retire say, because of his family. Like, we, we say, know the say, rumor is say, save it. Say, save it for segment three. That's segment three. Save it. I'm teasing a little bit, and we'll talk about that more in segment three. But just looking at this game, as you had mentioned, I think he benefited from Sam Merrill being out. He definitely benefited from uh, 
Sharif Cooper, unfortunately, dealing with that injury, and he really stepped up to the plate. And this is a just like reading the bio of Craig Porter Jr. and just like what he is as a player at Man Wichita State. Like he's not the most refined player in terms of three point shooting. Sometimes he does look a little lost operating the offense in the pick and roll, but like he makes winning plays on defense, which is a plus if you're the Cavs coaching staff, and that's like your approach. But more than anything, he's just like. He's a basketball player. Like he loves just doing whatever he can to help a team win. And like you really saw that impact in this game against the Bulls, where he was doing a lot of the little things. And the play that sticks out for me the most is that offensive rebound he grabs in the fourth quarter that results in a wraparound passing play to Isaiah Mobley, who takes a step back three. But like Craig Porter Jr. six six one, six two, maybe six three, but like he was crashing the glass against some of Chicago's bigs in order to make sure he got that offensive rebound and there's something endearing about that when you watch a player that's smaller compared to bigs, but he's busting his butt to just make that one last gas play to maybe try and secure a win for his team. Yeah, like, look, he's going to be a little bit undersized, which I, makes me kind of interested to see the kind of how what the Cavs view him as. It's not maybe the prototypical mold I would look at for them if I'm looking for kind of the right backup point guard for a Garland um, Mitchell kind of thing. But if you're going to skew this way, 6'2", 185. He he look he plays a little bit bigger than that to me, um. So there there's something there, but the, 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 what's what's really intriguing to me about it is just from him as a prospect standpoint is the is just the pure production. He doesn't have like his game is sort of a mix of a lot of different things. Like he can finish through contact a little bit. He makes shots off the dribble. Good passer had like crazy blocks of in college, but and it's he is like a good facilitator. But it's just kind of like a jack of all trades kind of thing. I don't think he like pops in one particular way, and I kind of think you saw that in this game. Um, and you also just saw a guy, Evan, that I think one of the things that I think summer league shows you is who is like ready and like good to go, and who is still kind of adjusting to to this life. And I think if this was like a nineteen year old guard. And Cooper goes out, and they hadn't started all summer league, and then they're suddenly thrown into starting and being the the lead ball handler crunch time. It wouldn't have gone this way, and they might have lost. I think Porter Jr. being twenty three means like he's gonna feel he just feels a little more polished and a little more ready to go than he might have if he was even like twenty one or much less like nineteen years old. Yeah, and I think that's part of the knock against Porter Jr. coming out of Wichita State is he had a year at JUCO, he played. A lot of time at Wichita State, like he he has a lot of tape as like a quote unquote winning player, but he's kind of a complete not a complete prospect. There's always going to be room for improvement going from college to the professional level, but like there's not a huge runway for him to grow as a player. But he he's intriguing in the fact that despite his age, despite the fact that like he's one of seven from three point range in summer league play, like he was never known as a plus shooter out of Wichita State, like. There's some juice here for me to look at, and I'm like, okay. In terms of UDFAs, like it's like Dean Wade was a hit for the most part. Lamar Stevens was a hit, and then you trade him to get Max Struss, Struess, excuse me. And then you look at Craig Porter Jr. Like this, it just gives me the vibes of like watching him take advantage of a situation and just kind of be the the either the Batman or the Robin to Isaiah Moby's Batman or Robin to just kind of like will this Cavs team to victory that were shorthanded because Sam Merrill was a difference maker for the Cavs all throughout summer league and like not having him out there was a pretty big blow blow um, Amani Bates not really being as hyper efficient as he was against Memphis 
was tough. And then you're asking other guys to step up, and Craig Porter's a guy who came off the bench in the first three games, starts because Sam Merrill's out, and then takes advantage of Sharif Cooper being out. Like, he stepped up to the plate, and there's something about that where you watch him, and I've broken down a lot of his college tape after the fact, and you're thinking, like, okay, maybe there is something here, and I'm intrigued to see what he becomes and develops as a player likely with the Cleveland charge for the better part of his rookie season. But like, what, what do the Cavs see that maybe I see as well? Because Porter Jr. Did say like, even during his pre-draft workouts and even after he immediately after he went undrafted, like the Cavs called and said like, Hey, we have a vision for you. Maybe it's not this upcoming season. I don't think it's going to be maybe a year from now, two years from now tops. Like, you can be the lead guard behind Darius Garland to kind of lead and facilitate bench units because he he does have success playing off ball at the Wichita. And I wonder if that's something like Mike Garrity or whomever's coaching the charge utilizes. But like there's some interesting stuff the Cavs could do with this. And I'm curious to kind of just kind of monitor his situation on top of Bates going forward to see if the Cavs can kind of just keep churning out some like high end rotational talent that aren't guys that maybe play on a nightly basis, but are consistent, reliable options that you can kind of tap into if you need to, just in case of situations beyond your control. Curious to see if he plays um, some two guard as one defense twos. I think that's one of the things I want to see. Can he defend up at all? And Because I think that will unlock some things. We'll talk more about that next. Coming up, what do the Cavs need from their backup point guards next year and long-term with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell in mind? Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, which is the official betting partner of Locked On. It's my favorite place to do sports betting at. It is really easy to use. The app pays you instantly. It's it's just a great way to indulge a little bit if you want to get into a little bit of sports betting. And right now, they have a great offer this MLB season. Take your swing at betting MLB and FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend on betting everything from the money line to the over, under, to who you think is going to get the first home run. All of that, again, is on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet at MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com. Slash locked on FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, last segment. Evan, here, when I say backup point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers, what are the skills that you think that player ideally should have? Um, and understanding the pick and roll, just currently constructed, whether it, whether it comes to Jared Allen or Evan Mobley, mostly Allen. Um, I think more so than that, though, is comfortable comfortability and familiarity of playing off ball because you're likely going to be sharing the court with one of Karis Liver or two of Karis Liver, Donovan Mitchell, or Darius Garland at any given moment because the Cavs have added depth this offseason. I think having a guard that can provide playmaking but is comfortable playing off ball is really what you're hoping to get in terms of what you get from like your backup point, which is why I'm a fan of the Ty Jerome acquisition. But like if we're looking through the lens of Craig Porter Jr., like there, there's a chance there. Just how comfortable is he playing without the ball in his hands in order to be uh, effective on offense? I think versatility is, is where I start because I think 
particularly when you're, let's say you're just continually to build with Garland and continually planning to build with Mitchell. Those are two smaller guards. You obviously have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen to insulate you defensively, but I think the rest of the roster you have to build in in some of that same sort of fashion. I go back to pre the Mitchell trade, pre his ACL injury, Ricky Rubio is kind of the template for this. I would maintain that his big impact that season, I think even more than the offensive stuff, was his defensive stuff, defensive play. He was really big at the point of attack. He was deflecting passes. He was there and was able to play with Garland because of what he did defensively. I think whomever your backup point guard is, they're going to play with some with Mitchell and need to support him defensively. They're going to need to play with, they might play with Garland at times and need to support him defensively. I think that player, whoever they get, has to be someone that can kind of slide between spots and doesn't need to be, um, you know, a fully just kind of howled net. So bring the ball up game manager point guard. I don't think having like one of those to turn to at times is the worst thing in the world. But I think if you're hot, your first choice has to be something a little more versatile, has to be something a little bit more capable of bending in between different skills and roles. So the defensive stuff is definitely um, an interesting point because I think Donovan Mitchell at least is trying harder under J.B. Bickerstaff on defense. Maybe it's having less of an offensive load. So like that's not as pressing of an issue, but like Darius Garland is small for the point guard position. He's six one, barely six two. I people can height watch me all they want, but like he isn't super duper athletic. He plays well positionally, but like if you ask him to be like a help defender, if he gets like isolated and pick and rolls, like you watched what the Knicks were able to do at times with one of Garland or Mitchell, and like having a guy that that this isn't like an apples to apples comparison, but like something that I always circle back to is like the Brad Stevens Celtics with Isaiah Thomas running the show, like Avery Bradley being the safety blanket next to Thomas, just handling a lot of that point of attack pressure uh, on defense for Boston to kind of maybe cover for Isaiah Thomas's weaknesses. And I'm not saying like Darius Garland or even Donovan Mitchell or Karis LeVert, depending on what we get with Karis LeVert post-contract extension are that big of a liability because Thomas is a completely different beast in terms of just defensive issues. But like, having a guy that is willing to step up on defense and maybe just kind of make those hustle plays and just work a little bit harder um, is beneficial. And I think it just makes it more of a cleaner path because if we're just looking through the lens of what the Cavs are right now, like a cleaner path to playing under J.B. Biggerstaff because if you play hard on defense, nine times out of ten, that's going to get you minutes in Biggerstaff's rotation. And you see him, definitely he's a creature of habit where he'd rather lean on veterans and guys that he has a very close familiarity with or understanding of what they are as a player. But if you were a dude that busts your butt on defense and plays hard and makes those extra effort plays on that side of the court, you're more likely to get more consistent minutes. And if like you're Craig Porter Jr., who kind of has a bit of a track record of being a guy who tries to defend bigger despite his uh, vertical limitations, like coming out of Wichita State, like he was like, oh, he may be a guy that defends one through three because he tries to play bigger than he actually is. Like if that sustains at the G League level and maybe the NBA level as well, like that, that's that's encouraging for the Cavs. I agree with your point. Like Ricky Rubio's biggest impact, not this last season, but the season prior before the ACL tear was he did play bigger than what he actually was player wise and was a really nice complimentary guard defensively to Darius Garland because those units were just so, so effective with the two of them working together. Yeah, and look, I, I think if you're trying to find a long-term answer here, I think that has somebody feel good about defensively. Um, I think it's someone you have to feel 
confident in is able to do that. And, I, and that's where I think like the the Rubio for this year is a risk. I think they may just like could see a world where they abandon ship a little bit with him if it doesn't go well early, or maybe they they ride it too long. It could go one way or the other. This the year after that, I think this gets real interesting just because he has the partial guarantee in his deal. There's a lot to kind of consider with with do you keep him right now. We'll see what he looks like this year. We'll see what he looks like he wants. I'm curious to see just what they it, Porter Jr. I think could have a shot to earn the job, that, a shot at the job at the very least a year from now if things go well for him. I think, and I, and I think if we're like let's say compare him to Cooper, who did start ahead of him in summer league, has been in the, in the organization's orbit longer, but isn't signed in any formal way. I think his all aroundness, I think his size, I think some of the versatility, some of the defensive stuff, I think kind of indicates to me that they, I think definitely view him as more of a development option than they do Cooper at this time. And, and maybe this year if Rubio gets hurt, you might see him a couple games here or there. I, I do wonder um, if Rubio gets hurt, like maybe it's just more ties your own minutes and you're empowering Karis LeVert to be a lead guard. But like looking through the lens of just Craig Porter, if he pops sooner um, than expected. And as you had noted, like, I think there's just more upside with Porter compared to Cooper, despite, I think, check Sharif's age. I mean, he only was uh, in actually draft, Craig like... Porter is older than Sharif Cooper. So yeah, Sharif way... Cooper's Sharif Cooper's really young. Let's say 2021 draft guy. This is like a, still a very young, young player. And it, Porter Jr. was a is, five-year like, college player. There's a bit of a height difference. And I think Sharif Cooper just, doesn't have the defensive acumen that Porter does currently and maybe some of the playmaking stuff. I think it's something that Mike Garrity, while he was head coach, maybe he is head coach again heading into this season, has been working with Cooper just because it's an approach the Cavs have with uh, Darius Garland. We're like, hey, we need you to be aggressive on offense, but like not like chaotically aggressive. We're like, you have a fine understanding of when it's okay to score versus when it's okay to pass. And you can see it working with Cooper sometimes with like high pressure situations. I think about the charge losing in the G League playoffs to the Long Island Nets. Like they had a chance to tie the game, and instead he saw Sharif Cooper, instead of passing to a wide open teammate on the perimeter, drive into a forest of players, uh, get blocked, and then you saw a turnover and then an eventual foul on Cleveland that uh, helped lock up the win for Long Island in that one. And like that, if that were to not happen, like the, the charge would have been in the Eastern Conference finals if i'm thinking correctly like people can correct me if they're wrong. i'm wrong but like as you had noted like sharif cooper isn't signed to a two-way contract maybe he's a dude that the Cavs just like are taking the long look at but like craig porter to me seems like a guy that has a bit of a cleaner path because he has that playmaking upside already i think he looks comfortable to an extent operating in the pick and roll offense and uh, more than anything just plays hard on defense and again like that is a cleaner way to get minutes with the Cavs if you just try hard on defense and and we're not saying like hey craig we need you to pay 25 30 minutes a night like he's gonna maybe at most get 10 or 15 in the event of like a ricky rubio injury just and we'll see how it goes also we could be like completely wrong maybe rubio finally is like fully fully healthy heading into the season and like finally has like a lot of the the ghosts of the acl tear and just like some of the rust that came with it as well just completely shaken off and he is able to like function as an off-ball guard and maybe play similar to what he was, but I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by Craig Porter Jr. quite a bit. I, I, I know I say that a lot, but like he's a dude, and I'm like, yeah, he uh, he kind of fits the mold of what the Cavs kind of need at backup point. If he does 
flesh out to what he's projected to be just based off his college numbers and projections. So in there, I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Zamerl. Back at you after the weekend, or at least Evan might be. I, I will be traveling for a day job thing. Thanks again to Jake Stevens as always, everyone. Be well. Enjoy the weather. Talk to you all soon.